Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 3 to 8. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, throughout the modern times, there have been countless predictions about the end of the world. You might have even seen someone holding up a sign that says that very thing. Polls have been conducted all across our time. In 2012, across 20, 20 countries, they found that over 14% of people believed that the world would come to an end in their lifetime, with percentages ranging from 6% of people in France to 22% in the United States and Turkey. The general public believed that the likeliest cause would be nuclear war, while experts thought it would be artificial intelligence. Only 3% of Britons thought that the end would be caused by the Last Judgment, compared to 16% of Americans. Between 1 and 3% of people from both countries said the apocalypse would be caused by zombies and by alien invasion. Well, today we are going to stay in Matthew, as we are going to look at, in Matthew 24, Jesus teaching on the last times, the end times. I believe this is a good word for us as we are dealing with this coronavirus and how people are responding to it. In the next couple of weeks, I'm going to do a new series that I'm going to call Living in Uncertain Times. I have received a few emails and talked to me about the end times, and so I think it's really fitting that we think about this this morning. So, as we come to chapter 24, we need to understand how chapter 23 ended, because it ended with Jesus giving these words in verse 39. He says, For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus had just finished talking about his coming again, where he said, You will not see me again. And so the disciples wanted to know more. They, they were curious about his coming again. And so we see that in verse 3 of chapter 24, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? They wanted to know the time frame of his return and the signs that would alert them to his coming. They believed that it would be in their lifetime, and they wanted to make sure that they would be prepared. This is true of people of all times. They believed that Jesus would come 
in their lifetime. And so they searched the scriptures and they researched the signs and they compared them to what was happening in the world so that they would be prepared for Jesus' coming. Jesus answers them, though, in this way in verses 48. In these verses, Jesus wants them wants us to not be deceived by false teachers and, and others who claim to be the Messiah. He wanted them to be warned about the many false teachers that would come and claim to be the Messiah, or claim that they had seen the Messiah. He wants them to know that many things will take place before his return. And so he says in the scriptures, 48, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear wars and, and rumors of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pain. First of all, we hear these words from Jesus, do not be deceived. I think that the best way to not be deceived is to know what the Bible says about end times. Not just here in Matthew chapter 24, where Jesus talks about it 11 times. But also in passages like Revelation 20 verse 4 and 22 verse 10, in 1 Timothy 4, 1, and in 2 Timothy 3, 1 and 2, in 2 Peter 2, 3, and Acts 2, 17, in Isaiah 46, 10, in Habakkuk 2, 3, in Daniel 12, 4, and so many other scriptures that talk about the end times. Secondly, we are to not overtly or overtly concern ourselves with the exact time of Jesus' return, but rather focus on living as the Scripture calls us to live, as Jesus calls us to live, as His followers, and as the faithful people of God, as the church of God. As I said before, I received a few emails that uh, uh, people have sent to me because of the coronavirus and, and all that we're experiencing right now. And these emails have been talking about them thinking that now is the end of time. That this is one of those major signs that the end of time is coming. But I want to tell us, let us not get caught up in this kind of worry and speculation. So Jesus continues in verses 9 to 11, and he says, Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Persecution, we are told, will increase against Christians as we get nearer and nearer to the end times. They'll be hated for their faith and their message. Is this happening today? Well, you know, it's really been happening for many, many years all around the world. But it is increasing, I believe, in the United States more and more in these recent years. So, I don't know if this is the end time. I, I tend to think that it is not. I tend to think that there is even more that needs to happen before Christ returns. But I'm not the one who determines when Christ will come. 
And so my statement holds no decisive or definitive merit, but I do believe as Christ followers that we have to take seriously our faith and not be deceived by any and not let all this chatter, all this talk of the end times turn us away from Christ or the church when so many people are turning away because of all that's going on in our world, in our society. One of the things my doctor does when I get a physical is he puts his hand on my shoulder and he pushes against me. He does that because he wants to see how firm my base is when he pushes on me. That's one of the ways he determines if I'm strong and healthy. A firm base is very important. We are to have Christ as our firm, firm base. We are to have the, the Word of God, the Scriptures, as our firm base. Jesus is a firm base of our salvation. He is a firm base of our life, being our Lord. As Lord, He leads us into the truth of God and keeps us standing firm on the Word of God. This is so that our love for God won't grow cold in the midst of the persecution and the wickedness around us. And that we will be determined to share the good news of Jesus Christ in the midst, and no matter what, is going on around us. We understand that Jesus Christ alone is the bringer of salvation. We rest in the one who is faithful and we share this with others. Now is the time, as much as any, that people need the word, this truth of the Bible. They need to know that they can stand on the firm foundation of Christ who will watch over them and will provide for them in all times and in all ways. Because as Jesus continues in verses 12 to 14, he says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come without our being founded on God's Word. We will be drawn into the wickedness and the wicked things around us. There will also be those who are trying, trying to deceive us, Jesus tells us, by telling us not only that what is false is true, but also telling us that Jesus has returned, that the Messiah has returned. In fact, I've even had people come up to me and say, has Jesus returned and, and I missed it? And I say, well, I hope not, because then that means I will have missed it too. Jesus hasn't returned yet. He says in verses 23 to 26, at that time, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I told you ahead of time. So if no one, if anyone tells you, there he is out in the wilderness, do not go out. Or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. See, one thing I know for sure, according to the scriptures, is that it will be evident and obvious to all and seen by all when Jesus returns. We are told that he will descend on the clouds. We won't have to wonder if he has come. The wickedness 
will increase, dare I say, even more than now, right before he comes. There will be many signs that Jesus talks about in these scriptures that warns us that he's coming. But when he comes, it will be seen by all. There will be no wondering, no questioning, no doubting. It will be clear and evident. Other changes will begin to occur also before Christ's return. As he says, immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Now this language of Jesus here is apocalyptic-like language and should be seen like the book of Revelation with symbolic interpretation. It is talking about in these times of wickedness, in these times of tribulation, the spiritual influence of the church, which is to illumine the light of Christ, will be darkened because of the wickedness. This is the struggle we're facing right now as a church. We see wickedness all around us, and that wickedness is darkening our light, which means we have to be ever more going out and, and sharing the love and the light of Christ. We have to be more determined in this time so that the wickedness does not overshadow the light. We must be the light that shines to our neighbor, our co-worker, our family member, the love and peace and hope and faithfulness of God. Then, we are told, the Son of Man will return. Jesus will return our Savior, our Lord, our King, will return. But it's interesting that when He returns, listen to what Jesus says in verses 30 to 31. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And He will send His angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather His elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Did you catch that? I kind of emphasized it a little bit. He said that all the peoples will mourn when he returns. Does that surprise you? I mean, you would think they would rejoice, right? We would rejoice with when Christ returns. Why won't people rejoice? Well, it's because he returns to separate the believers from the non-believers. When Christ returns, he comes to judge all. Many will mourn because they will be terrified at the sight of Christ returning. They will not be ready for His return. They will be mourning. They will be in fear of His judgment that He brings. They are not prepared for this judgment. They are not excited by Jesus as believers are. This is why we're to share our story, share the gospel, so that people will know the truth and have an opportunity to believe so that they will rejoice when Jesus returns so that they will be prepared. I've noticed in the midst of all of this isolation that uh, many celebrities on, on social media, especially on Instagram, are, are doing like extra entertaining. They're saying things like, uh, what song do you want us to sing? What, what do you want us to act out? What do you want to do that we can entertain you in this very troubling time that we are quarantined in this they are doing that because they feel like there's really no hope. They're trying to uplift the spirits of those who have to be at home alone. 
They're trying to bring joy to a world that is not experiencing joy right now. So many people don't have hope and joy in their lives, and so when difficult times come, like now, as the coronavirus has, has hit us so hard, they're lost and depressed, and they feel like they have no way forward. We are God's people of hope and joy. We can bring hope and joy to this struggling world. Not by singing a song or acting out some play, but especially in times like this. The message of Christ, the message of salvation needs to be heard all the more. This is our time to share the truth and the love and the hope of the gospel. We are living in a time when we don't know much of what is happening. I mean, people are, are watching the news and they're, they're looking at the, the, the media and they're, they're looking at the, the social media and they're, all they're hearing is about the coronavirus and all they're hearing is about how we have to stay isolated and we have to stay separated from each other. And this is, they're hearing this over and over again and it's really just kind of obsessing, they're obsessing over it. It's kind of overwhelming people. I mean, restaurants, gyms, movie theaters, businesses, sports, on and on it goes. I mean, even just this last Thursday, it was said that, that all non-essential businesses need to be closed. How difficult it is for us not to be able to connect with each other face to face. We don't know when it all ends. We don't know when it will get back to normal. Yet, we don't need to stop living. We need to stay connected. We need to support one another. We need to pray for one another. We need to reach out. Call each other or go to the store for someone that can't go to the store. We need to help each other out in this time. We need to share love and hope and peace and joy with those who are not experiencing it in this time. In verse 36, Jesus says, But about that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. See, because no one knows when Jesus will return. They don't know the day, the, the hour, the month, the year that Jesus will return. And because of this, we should not concern ourselves with this. There are many who begin to talk about how the coronavirus is God's judgment on the wicked. Or there are many who talk about this as being one of the signs of the end times. Are they? I don't know. And I think because I don't know with certainty, it's better for me not to say one way or the other. But what I do know is it's an opportunity for us to wake up and say, what am I doing with my life? We don't worry about these things we have no control over. We worry about what we can do, how we can help, how we can live for Jesus day to day. That's what we should be concerned about. Jesus ends the section with these words in verse 44. He says, So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. We are to live like Christ is going to come now. So if Christ comes in the next minute, we are prepared. We will be ready. We will be ready because we are living as Christ followers faithfully for Him. Every minute of every day, we are doing what Christ calls us to do as his followers, 
as a people of God, as a church. My daily devotion goes out to many who are not in this church. And during these times of isolation, I've had a couple people ask me how I keep my faith strong and don't get tapped down in these times. And so, uh, this is one of the answers I gave to someone who emailed me. I, I emailed her back and, and I said this, I keep my faith in these dark times because I know that God is faithful. He has been faithful to me in the past and will continue to be faithful to me in the present and the future. I know that God is in control and I can rely on Him. It is especially when I can't see that I trust and believe all the more. Hebrews 11.1 1 reminds us of putting our faith in God who is unseen. It is the peace of God which comforts me as we're told about in Philippians 4, 6-7. It is knowing that God can bring good out of the bad for those who trust in the Lord as we're told in Romans 8.28. And we are to keep our eyes focused on Jesus and know that God will work out all things for the good. It is in this way that I keep my faith strong and I know that I am focused on living as a Christ follower as God calls me to live. What I also want to say is that I hope our current worldly situation brings us back to the task at hand, the task that we have been called to by our Lord Jesus Christ, the task that Christ himself focused on when he was here on the earth, the task of spreading the good news of the gospel, that salvation is found in Jesus Christ. We are to be God's people, sharing this message that has been passed on from generation to generation, to Christ follower after Christ follower, to church after church, that in Christ we have forgiveness of sins, in Christ we have abundant life on this earth, in Christ we have increased love to receive and to share, in Christ we have eternal life in heaven with God, where there's no longer any sickness or pain or struggle. In Christ we have hope. This is the message that those around us need to hear even more now. In this time. While the coronavirus is keeping us from meeting together, it does not have to disrupt our witness and our work for the Lord. Live as though you are expecting Christ. Continue to live with the purpose Christ gives to us. We're in a place where we long for God's help. We understand more than ever that we need God's wisdom, strength, love, and peace. We need to be leaders in this time of crisis. Leaders in the sense that we know our purpose and our place, our destiny and our design. We know that the Lord is in control and that all will be well. Because the Lord uses even the bad to do good. Jesus gives us a comparison between the good and faithful servants and the bad, unfaithful servants. He says in verses 48 to 49, But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, My master is staying away a long time. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. See, meaning that the longer Jesus takes to return, the more that people will get caught up in the wickedness around them, the more that they will turn to evil and sinful ways and not be faithful servants of Christ. On the other side is the faithful servant acting faithfully doing what he has been tasked to do. And when the master returns, his master finds him 
being the faithful servant, he has entrusted him to me. What will help us to remain faithful, especially in times of hardship and difficulty and crisis? Well, listen to these words from the psalmist in Psalm 46, 1-3. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, those waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. When we know God, and when we know that He is with us in our troubles, in our hardships, in our difficulties, in our crises, protecting us and giving us strength and comfort, we can stay faithful and lead well. Howard Hendricks, a longtime seminary professor of Dallas Theological Seminary, was talking about his fifth grade, fifth grade year in elementary school, and one of the talks that he gave. And he talked about it during his fifth grade year, that he was very insecure and he was very angry at life. And even more, his teacher, Miss Simon, would regularly tell him, Howard, you are the worst behaved child in this school. And he would basically say to her, tell me something I don't know. And so, when the sixth grade year started, he was really afraid to go to school that first day, not knowing if things would be any better. And he remembers sitting there on the first day, and his new teacher, Miss Noe, was calling roll, and she said his name, and then she looked up, and she glanced at him, and she said, I've heard a lot about you. And he got ready for what was going to come. And then she smiled and she said, but I don't believe a word of it. Howard Hendricks talks about how after that moment, he started doing his homework. He did his best to behave for his teacher. He was a model student. He began to enjoy school and enjoy his life. And he said the reason why that happened, the biggest difference that occurred in his life was that his teacher, Miss Noly, believed in him gave him a chance. You have a Savior, a Lord, Jesus Christ, who believes in you. Whether you feel like these are the end times, or just scary times, don't let it affect your behavior. Don't let it make you angry, or depressed, or unmotivated, or fearful. Let it encourage you to do all you can for Jesus, loving others, and helping others and reminding others of who God is and that God is watching over them and protect them if they would just trust in Him. Let us pray.